just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your News Radio 840 WHS. Good Sunday morning. Bob Stakover, the Louisville Real Estate Show. Here we are in fall, and we've got a packed show with a lot of questions. We're still doing our COVID shows, and so as a result, we do it via Zoom. We take your questions via email. We'll explain as we go along. I'm Bob Stakover. You can reach me anytime at 376-5483. We'd love to list your home or help find you a new home. Also with us, Randy Rocky with Swan Financial. And you can reach Randy directly at 645-0736. They do a great job in terms of getting you pre-qualified and getting the loan closed. Also, we've got Lee Harris, legal counsel, limestone title at escrow. She's a great lady. They do great work over in limestone. And you can reach Lee on her cell with questions about real estate at 649-7964. And back by popular demand, my son Greg, who does our marketing photography and so much more. Hey, the gang's back together. What's We're going all on? back together, you guys. Good to have you all here. And we are ready to rock and roll. Let's start with Randy Rocky over at Swan Financial. Interest rates bumping up a little bit, slowing things down. What do you, can you tell us? And of course, lead it off with your NMLS number. Is that what that is? Uh, yes, 26362. Uh, <laughs> yes, they, they bumped up uh, about a quarter of a point in the last week. And I think I told you guys, eventually it has to happen, you know. And so, yeah, I think they're they're still in the threes, low threes, yep. um, uh, 15 years in the mid twos. Um, and, you know, I predict them to go up, you know, within the next year, they're going to go up some. I, I, I Barry Abib has not really come out with his forecast lately, so I, I don't know why. He hmm, hasn't, but, your uh, boy. I would say, yes, my man. So, um <laughs> I, I will let you guys know as soon as that comes out. But my my prediction is we'll probably be in the you know mid to high threes by this time next year. All right, and that's what's driving the market. By the way, just a recent check of the homes on the market they were up to seventeen hundred in the Louisville area. They're down now to about fifteen hundred. Oh, yeah, they're down to fifteen hundred. Yeah, it came yeah. back down. Yeah. It, it, kind of a good question. I wanted to, to roll off of what you talked about interest rates, Randy. I have heard there's a couple of builders and I don't know what pro programs are, you know, you guys offer, but you know, people are worried that are in new construction that are going into looking at, okay, interest rates are going to go up. We're, we're 90 days out from breaking ground. They're, they're getting their plans together. Uh -huh. What does next year look like if we're building? Um, and there's, I've heard of lenders apparently locking in uh, rates this early is that possible could you lock in and what you know what would that all entail kind of yeah good question you could do the 98 lock-in uh, uh but which there is an advantage to doing that so well i'm talking outside, i'm talking on already i'm talking they're saying they can close on the home that they haven't broken ground in yet and whatever you know however long it's going to take let's say six to nine months and they're guaranteeing them today's interest rate is that possible is that am i hearing that right um I, you might be hearing that. I, I, I'm not familiar with that program, but uh, I'm assuming there's a lot of cost behind that to, to guarantee yeah, to, that. To guarantee people that. In I would think so. Maybe, you know, I'll right. look into that. So I'll get check, that. Let's check into that. And certainly that'd be something because we have a question on that that comes up. Hopefully we have enough time to get to it a little later in the show. All right. So interest rates popped up. That's driving buyers continuing to try to find homes. So I guess my point in all this is if uh, even if 
you were thinking of putting your home on the market next year. Now is still a perfectly good time if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, give me a call Absolutely. and we'll get you going. Uh, at least I'll come out and we'll talk about what needs to be done, if not, if anything, to get it on the market. And you can reach me at 376-5483. Right. So with our COVID shows, what we're doing is we ask you to send us an email, then we'll read the email on the air. We're limited in production capability because, of course, um, we're doing this via Zoom. It was not in the studio. So uh, just typically know that uh, send an email, bob at we com. Subject line, simply put radio question and then put in the body of the email the question itself. That's exactly, and I'm changing her name, Lee, to protect her. Lisa is who will call her. She says, hi, we live in Jeffersonville, Indiana. We've lived in the house 32 years and there were no HOA fees at the time. She says they changed the bylaws and requested a 50-year $50 a year at the, the time when they change them now up to 75, which is strictly voluntary. One of the bylaws is that only a single family home is to be built on any lot. Two of the residents who are on the board at the time stated after the 30, after 30, the bylaws don't apply. It clearly states in the bylaws that they automatically renew for another 30 years. So the first 30 years, they didn't apply. They said, then it renews. Anyway, the big question that Lisa has is we have and had an Airstream parked in our driveway in the backyard for four years, and it was never a problem. There is a new HOA board president, and she has sent a letter saying we are in violation. The question is if the others violated or changed the bylaws without any vote from homeowners, do the bylaws then become unenforceable? What recourse do we have? So this is rather complicated, but it really comes to the heart of, listen, there, there are HOAs. And typically when you move into a subdivision, you know, there is an HOA, but if there's one created, like in the area that I live, there is no HOA. So if they were one lax and they don't enforce and then the new board president comes in to enforce. Yeah. So Lee question, how do you answer that one? Yes. Well, it happens every time, you know, you'll have a, you'll have a HOA that's kind of doesn't really care. And then somebody will come in and says, Oh no, no, these are the rules. But basically uh, there people make the argument all the time that, well, such and such has a fence and they're not supposed to, or such and such has this. And, and that's, that's against the bylaws. So whatever violation I'm doing is okay too. That's an argument. It's not necessarily going to get you all the way there because the bylaws still exist. So if you ever have a dispute with your HOA or your condo association about something that you'd like to put in there or something that you'd like to do, then Every single bylaws has a process where you call a meeting uh, and you can send to the president of that HOA, here's my issue. I'd like this to be on the next meeting. They send out notice to everybody. You can go to the meeting and ask the other people to vote on it. And if they vote to change it, then that's, you know, they can change the bylaws at any time. They don't have to just be what they were 60 years ago Mm -hmm. because of course times change. And um, so it's a little better to get the, and of course, go to your neighbors and, and, and lobby for it, you know, before the meeting. So, you know, if you're going to win, bake but, cookies, bring apple pies, things of those nature. Right. Uh, exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's a little better than just saying, Hey, uh, uh, I'm going to keep it because I've had clients that have been fined and sometimes they get fined daily. So it, it starts racking up because the HOA is saying, well, we have the right to find you. And every day that you have this sitting there, we're going to find you $50 or whatever it is. And so it's better to just, you know, deal with it head on. Got it. All right. Hopefully that helped uh, Lisa with her question. Let's move on. I'll leave this also is for you. Sandra says a part of her tree 
fell on the neighbor's property. It didn't do any damage to the car sitting underneath it. But she's wondering, is she responsible for removing the limb? The, so the tree was her tree and it fell on her neighbor's property. Right. Yeah. Um, you're only responsible for like, if you went up to the, to the sky, like here's your fence, you went all the way up to the sky and you're responsible for that on your side. And so if something were to fall on the other side, your neighbor can be responsible. They can also cut it back. So that's part of the, the deal too. So, but here's what I'd suggest. Yeah. You're a good neighbor. It's your tree. Go to your neighbor and say, we'll take care of it to maintain neighborly relations. <laughs> because a lot of people get in fights over trees. So, and that's a really good point. So everybody who's listening, let's take this and extrapolate it out to everybody listening. So if you have a house and there's a tree on your neighbor's property and the tree limb, and it did on ours, extends, if it falls and hits your car or something, then it's your neighbor has uh, no uh, involvement. You, it's your insurance company. Is that what you're saying, Lee? Right. Okay. Yeah. The, the person who's who, if, if it had smashed their car, their 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 homeowners or their car insurance would take care of it. Uh, not you, as the person who has a tree on your property, which follows up with her second question. She says that her neighbor has. Uh, tree branches over coming over on her property can she cut the tree branches back without asking her neighbor um, technically yes but what i always suggest in those situations is that you um send them a letter or knock on their door and say you know your limbs are over on my side could you cut those back and if they say no go pound sand or they say yeah we'll get to it they never do then um go ahead and, and cut it back uh, to protect your property. But again, for neighborly relations, start out by saying, let's have a conversation about this. And even maybe we'll, you know, the payment of it, who's going to pay to have this done. Yeah. But ultimately, are you saying then if before you do any cutting to at least approach your neighbor nicely, yes, I would. If, yes. if they won't take care of it, then just say, listen, yes. I'm going to take care of it and I'll do right. it. But I wanted to let you know. Yeah. I think that's absolutely. Problem. Yes. Yeah. If you want to see what people are saying about it, and read reviews at louisvillezillow.com. That's louisvillezillow.com. Or you can go to louisvillesellerstalk.com. That's louisvillesellerstalk.com. Back to the questions. Randy, this one is coming in for you. Rebecca, <clears throat> excuse me, building a house and the builders have delayed closing several times now because of getting things for the house, like kitchen appliances and light fixtures. And by the way, folks, this is becoming a big problem for people who are building. There have been delays for light fixtures and kitchen appliances. Everybody. <clears throat> you may remember uh, we had co uh, Homorama just this past uh, month, and the builders were just stressing out trying to get the last-minute items in for, the, for Homorama. Now, because of the delays, Rebecca says, Randy, that her loan is about to expire, uh, and uh, she is now her, I guess, her loan officer saying to extend the rock, the lock, I guess is what she's saying. They want to charge her an enormous amount of money, some $5,000 to extend. And this is all being done by the builder delay. So how much should a rate lock extension cost a buyer? And is this even practical? Is this something that her um, mortgage company is trying to take advantage of her with? Well, they could be. And, uh, you know, a, a 15 day rate lock extension uh, should be, you know, somewhere around, uh, 
you know, a worst case scenario, I have a point of loan amount. So if it's a $300,000 loan amount, $1,500, I don't understand the $5,000 extension. That seems very pricey. Yeah. So what would her recourse be at this point? Is it legal or is it, she doesn't want to back away obviously because she's building a house and even if she could. I, you know, I don't, uh, boy, that's a tough one, Bob, because you, you know, all right. So you go to the builder, the builder says, I'm not responsible because there's such a delay in, in the, in the supply chain. And then the loan officer going, I'm not responsible. And because, you know, you said you were going to close. I think that she's either got to get another uh, mortgage company involved and see if they can uh, uh, get a better rate. Yeah. uh, Or, or stay with them. And, uh, I really think that's, that, that's pretty much her two options. Got it. I guess it, uh, maybe the first thing is going and talking to the, the loan officer or their boss and see if they can work something out. I don't know. Well, that's a good point. I guess you can yeah. do that as well. Yes. Yeah. All right. We've got a lot more, including the cheapest ways to boost your home's value. That's coming up in just a couple of minutes. We're going to take a break with us. Randy Rocky Swan financial. You can reach him at six, four, five, zero, seven, three, six. Lee Harris, Legal Counsel, Limestone Title and Escrow, 649-7964. My son, Greg, who does all of our marketing and photography and so much more. And may I just say he does a phenomenal job doing it. I'm very proud of him. And you can reach me, Bob Sokoler. I own the Sokoler team over at REMAX Properties East, and we're constantly looking for homes to list and sell because we keep selling the majority of the ones that we have listed. So give me a call at 376-5483. We're back in a moment on News Radio 840 WHAS. Need a home loan or refinancing? You need to talk to Randy Rocky at Swan Financial. Why have they become so popular? Because of our programs, our service, and our competitive rates. And now listen to this new program from Swan Financial. Yes, we have a 1% down program that also you will get 2% grant money from the investor. Call Randy Rocky today at 866-766-1920. Swan Financial, NMLS 2473 and 26362. Equal housing opportunity. Call for additional cost information. Other restrictions may apply. This is Lee Harris, owner and attorney at Limestone Title and Escrow here in Louisville, Kentucky. We are an experienced team of processors and attorneys who will be happy to help you with your closing needs. We are known for our flexible closing times. We're open to nights and weekends, whatever suits you or your clients. We can help you provide a smooth and quick closing and help with difficult situations based upon our history of expertise and experience in closings. Call us anytime at 502-632-2277. Shopping for a home? The place to start is REMAX Properties East. Experienced, caring, top producing agents who service all of Louisville and surrounding areas. On your computer or on your smartphone, head to homesinlouisville.com and sign into one of the most advanced home search sites in the country. That's homesinlouisville.com. Residential or commercial real estate, let the award-winning agents at REMAX Properties East help. Take the first step in your house hunting
dream journey. Visit homesinlouisville.com or call 425-6000 today. Hi, I'm Barbara Corcoran. I'm constantly asked by news sources how to best navigate today's real estate market. I call the brightest agents in the business to get their input. Hi, Bob. What's going on in Louisville? Hi, Barbara. The Louisville real estate market is hotter than we've ever seen it. I'm so happy to hear that. With our exclusive marketing plan, we can get sellers top dollar right now. Get the best advice from my friend, Bob Sekoler. Go to WeSellLouisville.com. Be safe and smart. News Radio 840 WHAS, Bob Sekoler and the Louisville Real Estate Show with you till the top of the hour. Thank you, Barbara Corcoran, who's my mentor and friend, and we thanks for, uh, thank her for her endorsement. You can see Barbara on a regular basis over on Shark Tank, which airs on uh, not only WHAS 11, but also on, uh, I think it's CNBC on a regular basis. With us, we've got Lee Harris, legal counsel, limestone title and escrow, 6497964. Randy Rocky, Swan Financial, 6450736. My son, Greg, who does photography and marketing and so much more. And you can reach me, Bob Sikoler, to help you with your home, to get it listed. Or if you're looking for a home, we've got plenty of buyers who can help you at uh, 376-5483. Back to your questions in just a moment. First, how are some ways to boost your home's value, especially if you're thinking about selling it in the near future or even next year or the years beyond? Deep clean is deep cleaning your home is really an important part. Invest in deep cleaning either by using your own elbow grease or hiring a professional cleaning service. Improve your kitchen. And one of the things that buyers look for above all is a great kitchen. Both kitchen and master or now primary bathrooms sell homes. But remodeling your own, by the way, can cost you a lot. And you may not get all the money back. So be careful. Be it wise. And, and it, it may not be to code. And somebody might come in and try to get you because something may not work right. And then you're going to be really up a creek without a paddle. So if you want, call me, we'll come out and we'll review what works for you and what doesn't work for you. What will make you money? What won't also paint. Listen, you may love red walls or blue walls, but not everybody does. So you want to add a fresh coat of interior paint still, even though during Homerama, they said Lee and I were there when um, they said it was more of a white neutral now, but I still see light gray. Don't you agree, Lee? That, uh, Yes, it seems light. like there was a lot of light gray and a lot of sort of really, really light cream, there you which go. I guess they're yeah. like white. <laughs> yeah, Lee and I yeah. walked the, walked a lot of the homes in the Homerama. Lighten and brighten, which means, for example, change out the light switch covers if they're dirty. Also, uh, upgrade your space. Consider dimmer switches which can make sure if you can do this or have an electrician come in to do it and make sure the drapes are clean and maybe open them up a lot so you get more light coming in. Power washing can transform an exterior from bland to beautiful, so remember that. Pruning and potting, and maybe not now, but in the spring, good landscaping signals to buyers that a home has been well-maintained. Replace doors that are in need, especially if they're cracks, dings, dents, uh, holes in doors. Think about replacing them. Check your hardwood floors. The hardwood floors are desirable, but if they're showing stains and wear and tear, that will reduce what the, the price that your buyer is going to give you for the home. Also give your appliances a facelift. Maybe change them out. It, the, the new norm is a stainless steel, but you could go with another that's less expensive. Remove popcorn ceilings, which are difficult to do, but it does help improve the value. Spruce up the bathroom and soup up your garage. So what I took away there, yeah. the best, cheapest, easiest is clean. 
I'm a photographer. Quick rant. Every yeah. time I go into a home and they're like, well, what can we do? And what can we do? And I'm like, just clean, declutter, clean, get the baseboards, paint. You know, if you got, you got kids, we all live in our homes. Everyone, everyone knows, you know, everyone that you get the, oh, well, they know we live in the house. Yes, we do. But psychologically speaking, you go into a home that's cluttered, you, your mind is going to feel that clutter. It's going to feel that mess. If you go into a home that's clean and nice and inviting, yeah, it's going to feel that way. So yep. just. That helps. We move on. All right, uh, Lee, this one's for you. Oscar just closed on his home a month ago, and he's writing us because the range, I guess it's the rain this past weekend, created a leak in his roof. He says he listens to our show, so he knew to contact us. Apparently, he contacted his real estate agent, who in turn contacted the seller. The seller said they never had any problems with leaks before. So now Oscar is wondering if he's on the hook for repairs since the seller is claiming there were no leaks prior to closing. Okay. So the first thing he wants to do is go to his seller disclosure form and see if there was anything on there that said that they had had leaks before. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if so, then he could ask them who fixed it. Was there a warranty, et cetera. Um, If not, if they, if they either didn't disclose that or they didn't, they actually didn't have any leaks then it's going to be hard to prove unless he can have someone that maybe a roofer get up there and say, Oh yeah, yeah, this has recently been, you know, repaired or it's been, it's been done in sort of a jack leg way recently. You know, you, if you get some proof that the person knew and they didn't disclose it, then they owe you the money to have it repaired. If not, and the leak just sprung after closing or they didn't know about it and they didn't have a leak, then it's now your house and you'd have to pay for the damages. And you know, it's funny when we sell a house, we put, um, a home warranty of American fact, their sponsors on our show and they have, I believe they still have in their coverage. It's about a $500 repair for roof coverage. So home warranty of American, we move on. Randy, uh, Eric has a question about a commercial loan. So I know, I don't know. Do you guys do commercial loans? I don't think you do over at Swan. Do you? No, I uh, will do them if they get really, uh, they need some to be creative. That's the only time we're competitive. Obviously, we're more than competitive on residential. I think we're the most competitive, but uh, yeah. we're just not that competitive on commercial loans. So he's asking, maybe you can help on this. He says he's refinancing his loan, his commercial loan with another bank and getting ready to close. He asked for a payoff on his existing commercial loan and was notified that there was a prepayment penalty on the loan mm-hmm. that he has had for nine and a half years with this other bank. Can he fight nine against nine and a half years? Nine and a half years, and there's oh, still a wow. prepayment penalty. Can he fight against paying a prepayment penalty, or does he have to wait six months until the loan expires, which may mean the interest rates go up from the new bank that he's going with? I think he would have to wait six months, but I, I, that that amazes me that there's a ten-year prepayment penalty on a commercial loan. I've never seen anything over five. That's Interesting. I think what he should do in that situation, which you yeah. mentioned earlier, yeah. I think he needs to call the bank and talk to someone, you know, uh, higher up and go, hey, look, let's be practical here. <laughs> yeah. So that, that is, that's just really out of norm. Lee, could that be con- uh, not constraint or restraint of trade, but is there something that that this guy, Randy, can go to the bank and say, hey, this is unfair practice by having a 10-year uh, prepayment penalty? I, uh, I don't think so. If you sign on it, do you leave not on a commercial no. residential? That would be very uncommon, but uh-huh. uh, I, and commercial is very uncommon, but I don't think there's any, is there any legal recourse, which is Bob's question. I don't yeah. think there yeah. isn't in my opinion. 
But what do you think? No, I think if, you know, I think if, if it was on the paperwork that they were able to see and read before they signed it, and they agreed to that, then they just made a bad deal, you know? Got it. Okay. We move on back to you. Lee Jess is writing us in an email and he's asking about a duplex home that he owns. Now this gets a little complicated, but it's interesting concept. Jess wants to sell half of the duplex, the side that he doesn't live in, and then use the money he gets for selling half of the duplex to find a home to purchase. And then once he's moved into the new home, Jess says that he would then sell the other side, the, the side that he's currently living in, and he'd be out of it completely. And he's tossing around the term of subdividing this duplex. Is that something that in your mind is feasible? Have you ever heard of that being done before? Uh, it's basically, I guess it's feasible. It's kind of like taking an apartment building and turning it into condos. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's going to be a timely, uh, time-consuming and potentially expensive process. I was to say, is so, it worth it? Yeah. So what I would suggest right. other than that is sell the property with uh, a right to back. remain there until yeah. he finds a, mm -hmm. uh, it's basically like a reverse contingency. Yeah. He can sell his duplex to someone and then get the money and then they give him six months or whatever it is to stay there until he finds his new home. That'd be way easier. Uh, yeah, like a rent back. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yep. All right. We move on. Randy, to you now. William is about to purchase his new home and says in an email that he plans on staying in the home no more than 10 years, but he's thinking about 10 years. The loan officer he's working with suggested that, I guess it's um, a 10-year arm, which could save him some money on monthly payments. William is pretty hesitant, he says, because he's always heard that arms could end up costing you a lot, of more, a lot more money. What are your thoughts on that? Interest rates popping up a little. What's an arm these days going? It's well below three, correct? Well, not, uh, the, the, it would be for a three or five. A 10-year arm is not going to be but maybe a quarter of a point difference than a 30-year fix. And in some situations, about the same. Uh, there's one bank in particular that sells a tremendous amount of arms in this town, which I've never understood, like 80% of their loans. Uh, uh, and... In that situation, absolutely, I would not do it. Uh, and I don't really suggest arms. Uh, I've sold two in my whole life. Um, yeah. uh, people that are guaranteed to move in three years. And the reason being is, if you're going to stay 10 years, you know how that turn can turn it into 15. Right, yeah, that's that's like one of those borderline years. Yeah, the yeah. only ones, the only arms we've ever dealt with in my eight years of being back here in Kentucky is physicians. People who are here, they go to L. they know they're here for three to five years, they'll do a 7-1 or whatever, and they'll, you know. Right. I had an I had an arm in my first house with uh, my wife who's passed away, but it was our first house. Um, and the reason we did that was because the interest rates were at like 12% at the time. And an arm brought it down and we didn't expect to stay more than three years. So, the, But I remember I always felt under pressure having the arm that I was going to have to sell or it's going to go up on me. I didn't want to do that. So... Uh, be, consider the well, Bob. You're showing your age. Uh, well, I am telling you, age. I'm, I'm showing my age all the time. <laughs> so yeah, you, you got it. All right, last question, Lee and Randy. Michelle is selling her duplex, and she says it's been a long and agonizing ordeal. The buyer's uh, bank first required repairs to be made by 
Michelle, even after the inspections had been done, there were some other repairs that needed to be done, apparently, according to the bank. Now she says an underwriter is requiring that the repairs that were done need to have been done by a state licensed repair company. This wasn't disclosed originally. Now they're coming back and saying, oh, no, those repairs need to be done by a state licensed repair company. And Michelle says she's never heard of anything like this. Is it legal? Is it a standard for a credit union to require repairs to be done by a state licensed company, not just a contractor? I guess either of you two have a comment on that. Any thoughts? What's a state license? What depending on what they're approved? They're approved. I don't know. Right? Like, is there state? Well, yeah. I mean, in Florida, I know there's a state license uh, scenario, but uh, we, I don't think you could you could do your own repairs as long as um, they're approved. You know, I mean, I I I don't know. That's very strange. I'm I'm surprised they came back with that. I would look. If I was in her situation, I would probably move on from that particular lender and move on to another one. I mean, because I, I don't think you want to get through it. You might not, or either yeah. e- either tell your lo- the loan officer, "Hey, I need you to uh, have someone else look at this uh, with that with that particular lender and and get this uh, taken off as a condition." That yeah, should not is, be. In this other is words. the seller and the right. The seller should yeah needs yeah, to I, and this, I, I, that that yeah. shouldn't be yes. Yeah. Lee, any, question. any recourse? Now, yeah, go ahead, Randy. Here, here's, here's another thing you could do, Bob, is yeah. ask them if they bring a licensed quote, quote person out there and they approve with the work they did, would that be sufficient? Okay. That, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Hopefully Michelle, that helps you. All right. We are out of time. My thanks to Randy Rocky Swan financial. You can reach Randy anytime at six, four, five, zero, seven, three, six. Lee Harris, legal counsel over at Limestone Title and Escrow at 6497964. My son Gregor does our marketing and photography and so much more. Glad to have you back here, buddy. Good to be back. And you can reach me anytime, Bob Sekoler, to help you sell your home or just come out and talk about what the process is. If you don't know, we can help you spend as much time as you need. Uh, you can reach me at 376-5483. Thanks, Guying, for being here. Thank you. Thank you for being out there. We'll see you next Sunday on News Radio 840 WHAS.